0: Hello, welcome to Create Yourself. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about stress management with you. So I got the chance to interview again, uh, Lightwalker Kathy. If you remember her from before, if not, go ahead to sarahfigley.com slash create yourself and go ahead and listen to my last interview with her. She is phenomenal always has great insight and ways to deal with problems. I got to talk with her a little bit about stress management, and I wanted to share that with you guys and her input on all of this, as well as what exactly stress can do to you.
1: You're listening to the Create Yourself Podcast. I believe that life isn't about finding yourself, but creating yourself. I'm your host, Sarah Figley, and I'm here to help you create your life through positivity, self-confidence, and self-care. Keep listening for all of the best tips and tricks to get you through this crazy thing called life and make a few friends along the way.
0: Overall, stress has a lot of side effects on your body, whether it's like your physical body, your mood, or your behavior, any of that. It has a huge impact on you as an individual. Now, a little bit can be good, yes, Uh, but more often than not, when you start seeing these problems, it just means that there's too much of it, and that's where we don't really even know where to go from there. Common side effects of stress can be headaches, um, muscle tension and pain, chest pain, even fatigue, upset stomachs and sleeping problems, as well as um, sex drive. So that's just physical problems that can come about from from stress. and then your mood, it can cause anxiety, restlessness, Lack of motivation as well as focus. So if you're having trouble focusing on things, it could be resul- resulting from stress. You could be feeling overwhelmed, irritable, anger, quick to anger, uh, and then even sadness and depression, which is not to be taken lightly, as well as the anxiety not that should not be taken lightly. And then as far as your behavior goes, it can also change on if you're overeating or undereating you might not even fully realize it you can be quick to anger so you'll just randomly get these outbursts it can increase the likelihood that you'll use drugs or alcohol and tobacco and it can even cause some social withdrawal so it might you might not fully realize if it is actually affecting you until somebody brings it to your attention like hey You could just be really stressed out. How to even identify what is stressing you out in your life is first, don't explain away stress as a temporary thing because there's always going to be a million things going on in your life. So telling yourself it's just temporary is probably not true. Another thing is, if you define stress as just something that is always going to be a part of work or home that, or even just part of your personality, that might not necessarily be a good thing. Now, like I said before, a little bit of stress is good. But if you're describing it as something that is just part of you and who you are it's just always crazy around here or i have a lot of nervous energy any of those things it it can really just build up on itself and you're just not you're not taking it seriously enough when you start making excuses like that and then another thing is to be blaming stress on other people or outside events so things that you n- might not necessarily have control of. So, to a point, that can be true. But if you realize that it is a major stressor, then you should, and especially if it's causing all of these other health problems, you should find ways to mm-hmm. really start pulling it out of your life or just decreasing the amount of time you're spending in that situation. So a great way to figure out exactly what is causing the high levels of stress would be to start journaling, and it's really a pain in the butt, honestly. But if you carry some sort of notebook around with you all the time and a pen, and you're just going to con- just open up in there, all right, today, wake up, how do I feel? All right. Getting ready for work. How do I feel? Maybe you don't have enough time for you to get ready as you need to in the day. Maybe you are the type of person that needs to be able to go slow and slowly wake up your whole body. And maybe you just might be one of those people that has to get up and go, go, go. But um, how do you feel about when you're getting ready for work? How do you feel while you're eating your lunch? Do you feel rushed? That's a problem. That is... Going to be a problem if it isn't a problem already for you. Stress eating is not good. Um, But I talked about that in another episode. So just go throughout your day and you're going to constantly, at least a week, go through and just, I know it's a pain in the butt. But if you are caught having health problems because of stress, then this is one of the best ways to really find out those top stressors. And then from there, you can figure out, hey, uh, maybe I can take this completely out or maybe I can limit it to so many minutes so that way I don't feel as stressed or maybe I can move it to a different time of day when I have more focus for it or something like that. So really, it is about playing with what you actually can do because some things you can't fully get rid of, some things you need in your life and sometimes. The way you're reacting might just be because it's coming after something else that works you up and then that doesn't get a chance to come back down before you go into this next activity. So stress journal, how you act to the stress when you realize what you're having stress, also record how you're reacting to it. Maybe ways that you think might be able to, to change how you feel. If you can change your reaction, maybe you can look at it a different way. Just writing it out and kind of taking a step back and seeing it from outside can give you that perspective you need to be able to change your mindset on it. So maybe it isn't actually stressful. Maybe the way you're perceiving it initially is stressful. And so now going into it in the future, you'll be able to know like, hey, this isn't actually the way I think it is let's rephrase that in my head so then you'll end up naturally thinking about it that way at the end you're pretty much it's going to avoid unnecessary stress like i talked about so from that journal you're going to figure out all right do i really need this in my life is it actually benefiting me or is it causing me more problems are you on some planning committee at your kid's school and you really don't actually have time for it but you think in your head like this would be this makes you in the perfect image of a parent no don't worry about that like you it's if it's only causing you stress then maybe you should take a step back um and then if you can't avoid it then changing the situation uh would be the next best way And then another way to do it would, again, be to adapt to it. So if you can't change the time that you're going to be doing it, you can't take it out of your life, maybe you can just look for the positive in that scenario. So this is where practicing gratitude that I talk about a lot comes in handy. Um, It'll change your perspective going into it. And so when you come out of it, um, you'll be looking at the big picture for the long run and say, no, this is really good for me. It might feel uncomfortable, but it is helping me grow or helping me in this area or that. Um, Finally, you're going to accept the things that you can't change. So if it is an outside variable that needs to stay in your life and you've done all you can, or it's an unavoidable situation, like. Like some tragic accident happening in your family. Maybe morning commute is stressful for you. And leaving earlier doesn't really help you not sit in traffic and hear all the honking. But you can reframe it. Maybe you can start listening to audiobooks or podcasts to make that more enjoyable for you. And learn that you aren't going to change it. So it's going to be okay. I don't know, sometimes when you accept that you can't change it, it's a little bit easier for you to see the positive light in the situation, if that makes sense.
1: Without further ado, let's jump right into the interview with Kathy and learn all we can from her. Hate commercials? Want exclusive content? Wish you could be the first to listen? Head over to patreon.com slash Sarah Figley for all of that and more. You'll be glad you did. That's patreon.com slash Sarah Figley. Today's episode is brought to you by PocketCasts. So you're a podcast listener? That's awesome. Did you know that you can enjoy an even better listening experience with the new PocketCasts app? With powerful search and discovery tools, they've made it easier than ever before to find your next favorite podcast. It was even recognized by Wired Magazine as the podcast app every iPhone user needs. Pocket Cast is beautifully designed, easy to use, and offers amazing features like play without subscribing and advanced episode search. Pocket Cast helps you quickly discover and enjoy your favorite podcasts with more than half a million shows to choose from. Change can be hard, but sometimes it's worth it. Download Pocket Casts today from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store or on the web at PocketCasts.com. You'll be glad you did. Hello, Kathy. Thank you so much for coming back with uh, the show. And for those of you that don't remember, we had talked with Kathy before on her podcast um, She's a light worker. And if you need to learn more about that, go back and listen again. It's a very good episode, or you can always find her information at KathyWeiss.com or on social media as lightworker Kathy Weiss. Hello, Kathy.
2: Hey Sarah. Thank you so much for having me back on the show.
1: You're always welcome. Very in knowledgeable about what people are actually looking for and how to get it across to them. And I think that you do a tremendous job at explaining your point in a way that people understand and can really run with. So you were talking a little bit before about, to me, about how um, you had some vibes about what our listeners are looking for out of this episode.
2: Yes, absolutely. So for those of us that are listening, Sarah reached out to me with some questions about stress management, and she specifically used the word oxygenation and how these relate to each other. And I have a couple of different concepts that I want to discuss around that. And the first thing that really came up that people who are listening to this episode need to understand is the role of the nervous system in in response to stress or how stress activates our nervous system. So I'm going to start off with a like super basic breakdown of the two roles of the nervous system. It's separated into two different components, basically. One is called the sympathetic nervous system, and the other is the parasympathetic nervous system. And I, the way that I help myself to remember which is which is that sympathetic starts with S. And so S is for Stress and parasympathetic starts with P, and the P stands for peace. So when we're experiencing stress, we're triggering the sympathetic nervous system. This is the one that promotes fight, flight, or freeze. So when we're stressed and our body is perceiving a threat, some of our systems shut down or don't function optimally. Things like digestion, Sexuality and reproduction tends to become diminished. Our blood pressure and our heart rate elevate. Our vision becomes actually really clear and focused and our muscles get infused with blood so we can do that fight or flight situation. And a little bit of stress is actually a good thing. So for example, if you have a deadline at work, a little bit of that stress or that urgency gets you to take action. So we want some stress in our lives. The problem is that a lot of us get stuck in the stress response. And so we'll talk in a moment about how we can deactivate the stress response or get ourselves back into the parasympathetic nervous system. So again, just a really super brief explanation. Your parasympathetic nervous system is like home base. It's back to neutral homeostasis. All of your systems come back online and they're functioning properly. This is the state of rest, digest, and reproduce. So our reproductive and our sexuality also tends to function better and help more in a more healthy manner when we're in the parasympathetic aspect of our nervous system. There's this really cool nerve called the vagus nerve and not like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but it's called the vagus nerve. And it's, it's the thickest nerve in your body. It's about as big around as like your thumb or your first fingers. Big old nerve and it runs all the way from the base of your skull and your spine through basically the entire length of your spinal column and it branches out. And those branches touch and enervate all of your internal organs. And so when the vagus nerve is stimulated and activated, it's basically dropping you into that parasympathetic response. It's getting everything chilled out, back on like nice homeostasis. So knowing that this nerve runs all the way down your spine or through, not exactly through the spine, but down in front of the spine, your torso is divided in half. So we've got the rib cage and the lungs and the heart in the upper portion of your torso. And then there's a dividing line, basically, which is your diaphragm, which is associated with breathing. And then the lower half of your torso is your internal organs, you know, stomach, spleen, liver, kidneys, all of that kind of stuff. So the vagus nerve has to travel through the diaphragm to get to the place where it can then branch out and touch those organs in the lower portion of your torso. So there's like a little hole that it travels through through the diaphragm. So when we're breathing properly, we're actually stimulating the vagus nerve.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Well, first off, I wish I had talked to you about this before I took all of my like health coaching tests and everything, because you phrase it in such a better way than the textbooks do. (laughs) Thank you. as far as yeah. remembering it and then second i think um let's let's go ahead and talk about just how about oxygen and carbon dioxide we're going to okay. how it how it works with your body and
2: and the stress response yeah
1: yeah so when we're stressed
2: out and freaking out and like all up in our brain and everything's like you know going haywire you will often hear people say you need to breathe and when you hear that, the number one thing that people do is take a big, giant inhale and they bring more oxygen into their system. But what most people are unaware of is that the, the physiological driving factor of the breath, like what prompts your brain to signal to your body that you need to breathe, is actually a buildup of carbon dioxide and the need to exhale. So breath is actually led by the need for the body to release carbon dioxide and exhale, like get rid of toxins or, you know, things that it no longer needs. So before we can bring in more oxygen, we need to be making sure that we're exhaling properly. And what's really fascinating, I self-educated on this because I was experiencing for a period of time, really high levels of anxiety and constantly triggering into panic attacks from it. So when we are constantly bringing in oxygen, 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 but not releasing the carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide is building in the bloodstream. And when we have too much carbon dioxide in the bloodstream, we experience the symptoms of anxiety. So... Like that nauseous feeling, shaky, um, elevated heart rate, like everything that you would think like when you're feeling anxiety is the exact same thing that is produced by an excess of carbon dioxide.
1: So I think that's crazy that most people don't even comprehend the fact that breathing is more than just getting oxygen in our body. And that is- yeah, that that's what they focus on is bringing in, bring in, bring in, and uh, when in reality, all of this, I've just you need to make sure it's quite the opposite as far as to calm yourself down. I think that's quite interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. It's sort of like like a closet or a drawer that you keep adding things to without ever clearing out the old stuff. Right. So it's like our bloodstream is getting overloaded with all the old stuff that needs to be cleared out to make space for more oxygen to come in.
1: (laughs) Cue Marie Kondo.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We could, we could like Marie Kondo, our bloodstream and nervous system with breathing. Yes. So
1: (laughs) I'm all for it.
2: So so we, I love, that's like the most brilliant analogy right now. Yes. So, so when you're under high levels of stress and somebody says to you, breathe, or you think to yourself, oh my God, I need to breathe. You do want to take an inhale, but you need to remember to exhale. And there are A couple of lovely breathing patterns to be supportive of this. The first one is that your inhales and your exhales are of equal length. So if you could set a timer on your phone or something for like one or two minutes and in your mind count the length of your inhale and say you inhale to a count of four, then in your mind you would want to also exhale to a count of four. And in yoga terminology, we would call that samavriti or even breathing. So it's like inhale two, three, four, exhale two, three, four, and just do that for like two minutes. And that already starts to bring you at least back to balance. Once you can do that comfortably, there's another breathing technique where the exhale lasts longer then the inhale up to twice as long. So if we go back to this example of inhaling to a count of four, then you would exhale to a count of six or seven or eight. And what that's doing then, again, is helping you to get the carbon dioxide out so that you can bring in fresh oxygen. And oxygen is fuel for our cells. Like we want it to come in, but we have to remember to, remove the waste product as well. So the one thing about this exhale lasting longer than the inhale is it can be a little bit challenging if you're new to it and it can sometimes make you feel a little bit dizzy or lightheaded. So anytime you're attempting a breathing technique and you feel that dizziness or lightheadedness, just stop, take a couple of normal cycles of breath and then maybe try again. So you don't ever want to force The breathing exercises, because then you're just creating a different type of stress in your body, which is what we're trying to reduce. Um, So that, I think, can help clarify for people the, the need to attend to their exhales as much as, if not more than, their inhales.
1: Beautifully put. I love the explanation. It's perfect. I have—I don't know if Apple Watches have it or not, but my Fitbit watch has a relax mode and then it has this little, it tells you like, all right, find a place to sit for a minute and then you hit the ready button and it'll be a two minute breathing session. And on it, there's a little circle that expands and contracts Mm -hmm. on it and that Mm -hmm. you're supposed to match up your breathing with it. Yes. And it's a really cool... Feature. I'm not sure if all smartwatches have it, but I thought that that was a great way to start teaching myself to breathe properly. How
2: to do that when I first got it. Yeah. And if people don't have one of those watches or one of those apps, I have seen YouTube videos that do the same thing. There's like a little icon. Um, And I think you would, if you were to search for it, you would search for something like breath sync up video or something like that. And you'll get the same thing. You'll get a little. Um, icon that it opens up and closes back down that you try to match your breath to so for those of us that are visual or like feel like I can't just sit down and do it by myself those are great Uh tools and techniques
1: to especially for first timers because you're not it's not something that you're going to be instantly good at like you it's practice just like everything else in your life and it's recalibrating your body to be able to do this properly
2: exactly and it's not necessarily Um, it doesn't always feel natural or intuitive when you're first learning how to do it.
1: Guess what, guys? My book is out. It's called Create Yourself, Designing Your Dream Life. This book will walk you through the first part of creating yourself, prioritizing yourself so that you can design your dream life. From realizing your dreams to finding your self-confidence, this workbook style coach will take you on a self-realization journey through goal setting, creating your own morning routine, self-confidence, boosting tips, and more. Some of the topics are built to reevaluate, so think of this book as a guide, not a written in stone schedule. Things may change a lot or they may not change at all, but life is not predictable and hardly goes to plan, so taking time to adjust your plans will help you stay on track of the big picture. You will spend your entire life creating yourself. Life is in static, so that means who you are is also changing with it. Ready to get started? Go to sarafegleycom slash and click on my new book link. It'll take you right to the Amazon store. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering my listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash and browse the selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. I love being able to listen to books while I go for a drive or a run because, let's be honest, I typically don't have time to just sit and read. I love the huge selection of self-help books they have, and you can get your first one free. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Sarah Again, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com slash Sarah to get started today. So then um, you also wanted to talk about...
2: How to stimulate the vagus nerve. Yes. Yes. So knowing that the vagus nerve travels through the diaphragm, and the diaphragm is your main muscle of breathing. It's not the only one, but it's the main muscle of breathing. When we're breathing properly, on the inhale, the diaphragm moves down because your lungs are basically like a vacuum. So when the diaphragm moves down, that allows air to suck into your lungs. And when the diaphragm moves up, it allows the air to move out. So when the diaphragm moves down, what should be happening is the lower portion of your abdomen should expand forward. Like if you ever see a baby lying on its back that's sleeping you see their belly kind of like get all full and lift when they're breathing. That's what we want to have happen. But a lot of us have this, whether it's conscious or unconscious, we have this desire to tighten our abdominal muscles and kind of like suck our bellies in. So we look thin and flat or a six pack or, you know, whatever it is. And so the diaphragm isn't moving fully down and the belly isn't expanding. And then therefore the vagus nerve isn't getting as much stimulation as it could. So a really w- easy way to do this is to lie on your back, on the, if you can, on the floor because it's a little bit firmer, but you could do it lying on the bed or a couch or something. Um, and you can have your legs straight or with your feet on the floor with your knees bent, whatever's comfortable. And you rest your hands on your abdomen sort of just below the rib cage and above your navel and that like soft area in between. And the fingers are not going to be fully interlaced, but maybe like softly, just at like the first knuckle or so. And with your hands resting on the abdomen like that, as you inhale, you want the abdomen to lift into the hands so that it will feel like the hands sort of rise and the fingers start to slide apart. And on the exhale, the abdomen falls back down and the fingers start to slide closer together and lower down. So we call this belly breathing. And you can do the same thing where you're counting your inhales and exhales to get them into that equal length. And as you inhale and fill up with air and the belly lifts and rises, two things are happening. The diaphragm is moving down. So you are taking in more oxygen, but then also as you exhale and the diaphragm rises, you're allowing more of that carbon dioxide to come out in a way that's really easy and natural And bonus, you're stimulating your vagus nerve. So if you do this type of breathing, again, for even as little as two minutes, you will start to feel your stress or anxiety levels begin to decrease. And sometimes that decrease in the urgency of the stress allows you to become more productive and actually accomplish your tasks faster and with greater proficiency. You actually end up having more time left over in your day for the things that you enjoy doing. It's like this really weird, magical thing that happens.
1: This is, so I have touched on the topic of the importance of taking periodic like breaks throughout your day to increase your productivity. And this is one of those perfect things to be doing. I had said about um, doing stretching or meditation, but this goes perfectly along with that area of work for maybe at most 90 minutes and take a 10 to 20 minute break of getting those steps in or just resetting yourself so you can, really put forth the effort that you need to in your workday.
2: Exactly. And this is a really good one if you're feeling especially fatigued and like you don't really want to like go take a walk around the block or, um, you know, do a couple sun salutations or something like that. This one is super reinvigorating in a really mild and gentle way.
1: And I think that would help a lot of people that are starting with meditation as well. I know a lot of people say, oh, medi- meditating makes me fall asleep. Well, if you fo- really focus on your breathing, it's going mm-hmm. to energize you unless it's a sleeping meditation, then obviously. but
2: <laughs> Right, which has a different goal. And since you mentioned meditation, I'll just sneak in a little tidbit that the doorway to meditation is actually concentration. Yes. So before we can meditate, we have to have the ability to concentrate on a single object of attention for a duration of time. So focusing on the act of belly breathing and the pace of your breath is like a little, a little entryway into meditation. So if people are curious about meditating but feeling like they aren't having success, this is now your two for one because it's preparing you for meditation, well, then you're also taking care of reducing your stress.
1: Yes, that's great. I love it. Um, So what even brought you to, I mean, this is a lot of information that you're giving out. And um, uh, obviously, a lot of research over the years has been put into this. What brought you to this idea of reducing your stress to begin with?
2: Well, as I mentioned earlier, when I was having this period of time in my life with high anxiety and panic attacks, I was having multiple panic attacks during, in, in the duration of like a week, I was having multiple panic attacks and I was having what's known as a rolling panic attack. So there's two different types. One is where it's kind of like one and done for about 10 minutes, you're in that zone of um, that's like really intense. And then it tapers off. You're kind of tired and exhausted after it, but you're done. And then there's what's called the rolling panic attack, where you sort of come in and out of it for several hours. And I was like super annoyed (laughs) with the whole situation. And my mind had this little spark of like, you know, back in the day you healed yourself from so many other ailments through your yoga practice. Is it possible to heal yourself through yoga practice and yoga techniques? Again, and I sat down and started researching all—not like yoga poses and the breathing and meditation, and and the medical causes or why you know medic, medically they say they they don't have specific proof of what causes anxiety and panic. But when I started putting the pieces of the puzzle together, I was like, I think it's all of these things. Um, And that's why we can't pinpoint it down to say it's just one thing. Yeah. Um, And as I healed myself, I then created um, like a six, about six and a half hour workshop course for people so that um, they too could learn these techniques to reduce their anxiety and panic and stress. Um, and so, yeah, I really kind of committed to this big project of educating myself first and then turning around and educating other people. And I taught that workshop numerous times in the past. I'm not teaching it right now, but if anybody is like, oh my God, Kathy, I just so need you to teach me this stuff, then you're welcome to reach out to me, especially if you're a yoga studio owner or you have a yoga studio that you love because there is a component of a yoga practice in this workshop. So that would be an ideal setting or maybe a retreat that you've got going on. Like, uh, hook me up. We can have a conversation if it's if you're really feeling like this is the information that you need and you want to go further in depth into it.
1: That's perfect when you were talking about just for some people don't fully understand the idea of panic attacks and they, I feel like a lot of times underestimate what they are and what came to (laughs) mind as you were describing panic attacks is almost like earthquakes. How, I mean, sometimes it could just be one thing and it's Mm -hmm. done or sometimes you get those aftershocks and it just keeps going and going.
2: That is a perfect description nailed it
1: and I I I love how that aligns perfectly with how with the earth like I don't know I just find it fascinating how like it's exactly how mother nature reacts you know it's all yeah that's mother nature
2: reacting to stress right it's it's a stress relief we just don't you know like there's other ways to relieve stress without needing to have a panic attack Yes. (laughs)
1: yeah. <laughs> Which
2: I have learned. I've learned through experience. I can only say that because I have had the experience of it. And I've learned that like holding it all in and not breathing and freaking out mm-hmm. is a way, but there are a lot better ways that feel better and ultimately make me feel like I'm a better, more productive human being than hanging out, having panic attacks all day long and not being able to attend to my life and the things that bring me joy and satisfaction.
1: Yeah, maybe we should uh, get Mother Nature on the phone right now and have her take one of your stress management classes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> have a conversation. <laughs> Let's talk about those earthquakes.
1: <laughs> uh, okay. So was there any anything else relating to this topic that you wanted to touch on or that you just had something come to your head that you needed to share with everyone?
2: Oh, I feel like we covered a lot of information in a short amount of time. And
1: I I it so. was a little bit
2: like kaboom. I Like we kind of dropped like an insight bomb on people, which is really wonderful. Um, just to close with knowing that if you are experiencing high levels of stress or anxiety or panic, and even the next, um, it's sort of like a continuum. And beyond panic, we move into agoraph- agoraphobia, that You can heal yourself. You can also work with a healer to get healed. And that could be traditional or non-traditional, but it's wise to look at this as not something that you have or that you're afflicted with, but something that you're experiencing to teach you something and point you in a new direction.
1: That's great. Um, So, For those of you that do have questions about this, or if you know somebody, I mean, even if you don't have it, you probably do know somebody that has stress problems that point them towards Kathy Weiss. Her website again is kathy-weiss.com and tell them, yeah, tell them to, uh, Hit Kathy up to learn more about how to work on those steps towards healing. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today. I hope that this episode helped you to realize what impact stress has on our body, not just physical, but also mental. The four A's of stress reduction finding out exactly what your stressors are and ways to go about eliminating them. Oxygen's role in our body, as well as the importance of fully exhaling the carbon dioxide and what impact the carbon dioxide has when it's in our blood. And finally, stimulating your vagus nerve and a couple of breathing techniques to help you get that stress under control. Until next time what were some of your favorite tips? Head over to the Create Yourself community and let everyone know so you can get connected with others who are also just starting while getting advice from those who have been there, done that. For show notes and more, head over to www.sarahfigley.com. If there's someone you know who could benefit from this, invite them to join in. The more the merrier. Talk to you soon.